This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Hi, I'm Mark Gramazian. I'm the founder and CEO of Four Post. And what I really love about retail is the discovery of it. I think um, when I was a little kid going to a local sports card store and you'd pick a pack of cards and you'd open it slowly and you'd find like what's you don't know what's going to be in there until you open it and I think that's something that you just can't do unless you're doing it in, in real life um, in person so I think that's always sticks with me and uh, I was always love even just going to pet stores and watching the pets watching the fish and so I think those are kind of things that I think are pretty close to my heart in terms of like the discovery and the experience of it um, and as a kid I just always remembered that If you need an office for a new company, you might go to WeWork. If you're looking for a retail space, an intriguing option is Fourpost, a company taking something that's commoditized and turning it into something that is elevated, transforming it by integrating content, customer experience, and what looks like a white glove, plug and play retail opportunity. Coming up, you'll hear from the CEO and founder who's deconstructing the retail space into a kind of incubator for brick and mortar. He'll share how Fourpost looks at creating experiences, seeks out innovation, and why this model could play an important role in the next generation of physical retail. From New York City, you're listening to Retail is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the retail industry. All right, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm here with my co-host, Rebecca Fitz. Hey, everybody. This is Chris Hansen. I'm COO of Ignition One. Rebecca's with Warby Parker. Um, Mark, got a really pressing question here. Yeah. As someone who has family in New Jersey and constantly has to drive on Route 3, <laughs> the second outpost of four posts is opening up at American Dream. When is that opening? So American Dream itself is actually, they announced formally that they're opening October 25th of this year, which I think is really, really exciting for everybody in New York and New Jersey. Um, for four posts, we're aiming for, we haven't announced it formally, but we're looking for the winter time, um, hopefully before the holidays. It's a moving target. We're in the final stages of our design of the space. I'm actually going to Montreal um, to do the final choosing of the materials that we're going to put into the space. Um, it's a larger space for us. It's 23,000 square feet. Um, so it's not a 1,000 or 2,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 square foot space. So we're it's really going to be our flagship. So we're really excited about it and we want to do it right. So for folks who are listening who are not in the New York area, there was this large mall uh, development in near the Meadowlands, uh, originally called Xanadu and now American Dream, um, that I've been waiting for it to open for the past 10 years. Um, so the idea of having your second location in a development that is just opening, um, is that is that the strategy going forward for Four Post? I would assume the type of business model you have would be to go into existing developments and uh, you know create a Four Post. Uh, almost mall within a mall. Um, are new developments? Yeah, I think, I think that's a great question. I think for us, um, 
American Dream is such a unique experience and opportunity to get into there. Um, it's a brand new development. I think it's the largest shopping center development in the country, if not the world, that's happening today. Um, and it's going to be a huge destination. Um, and we want to be part of that. Moving forward, we're, we are looking at top 10 markets and we want to be where there's existing traffic flows. Um, so I think we're looking at each market independently. It could be inside a shopping center. It could be an outdoor lifestyle center. Um, so we're, we are not just tied to shopping centers. We're not just tied to new developments. Um, we are combing through every market and just trying to find the right opportunities for us that we think would be the best for us, our shoppers and our brands. Um, back a little bit yeah. to what you said in your your opening about what you love about retail. I, I have kind of the same same uh, sense of discovery. I, I like to say, and I think I say this in my LinkedIn. I'm a gold medalist shopper. I probably shouldn't say that, but um, you know, I, I love the concept. Um, talk to us a little bit about where the concept came from. I know you're kind of a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. I don't know if one thing flowed into the other. Um, there's also a lot of talk out there about. Um, you know, will this kind of concept take over for department stores and, you know, yeah. where where your mind is on that journey? I think for me, like, my journey is a little unique in terms of how I got into it. Prior to this, I was, I founded and I was the CEO of Braze, um, which is a lifecycle marketing automation tool. And I think the, how we thought of that idea was how do we provide the picks and shovels to these brands that are developing mobile apps um, and getting into the mobile app ecosystem and for us, what we want to do is provide the picks and shovels for engagement and retention for their customers. Um, and you just saw like this whole flow of brands and apps coming into the market. I think for us, I took a step back and I'm like, wow, you're seeing this whole flow of digitally native brands and all these new brands coming to market. Um, we want, I want to create the picks and shovels for them as well. And for me, the first place to start was providing brick and mortar. Um, and that's kind of how I thought about it. So the same way we created software and marketing automation and lifecycle marketing tools for brands on the mobile side, we wanted to create really turnkey, immersive experiences and um, affordable ways for brands to come into market. Um, so we are still figuring out exactly what all those picks and shovels are that we're providing because I personally don't know if just space alone is enough. Um, so how can we provide insights and product insights and customer insights and really focus on the technology and the data that we can provide to the brands that open up with us is something that we're really focused on. So does that mean even the sort of marketing technology too, like coming from the, the app side with Braze, like do, do you envision, we're, we're both ad tech guys, yeah. do you envision taking some of those ad tech lessons and, and knowledge and bringing it into the physical space? In some ways, yeah. I think it's in ad tech and marketing tech, the way that you're kind of working off of that data and being more educated around the data you're using to then reach out to your customers um, is kind of things that we want to do at the store level. What's the data and the insights and the customer insights and the data that we can capture at the store level to provide to the brands to really act on it and make it actionable for them. Um, so these are things that we're thinking about. Um, in terms of your previous question about like, is this like the future department store? Um, I think we're all using the term department store because it's easy for context for us to understand what it is. It's a larger space. It's multi-brand. Um, Will our spaces be 20,000 square feet, 10,000 square feet? I think it's too early to say how large or how small they will be. Um, we're still figuring out what our product market fit is in the market. Um, and that's really what do the brands want in terms of the services we're providing. And then on the other side of the coin, what do the shoppers want as an experience? And how do we kind of engage with them to build that conversion and that, and that great shopping experience for them? 
Back to the shopping. <laughs> um, and I, I this will probably be a hard question for you, but um, who are some of your favorite brands that are participating right now? And, and so, why? yeah, so um, we're actually are open in Mall of America. We have a 10,500 square foot store. Um, we most recently just signed with Untuck It. And it's a really interesting um, use case for us because Untuck It actually has a store in Mall of America. Um, that store is, is their menswear. Um, and they wanted to bring in women's wear into that store, but the store is doing so well with men's that they're worried about like how much space they would take for the women's line. So what they're doing is they're actually launching women's with us in Mall of America. Again, it, it, it's, it's providing the picks and shovels. And in that situation, we provide the picks and shovels for Untuck It to launch in a very turnkey fashion, their women's line in Mall of America. And hopefully if that goes well, I'm sure they'll talk to the Mall of America folks about expanding and hopefully they still continue to stay with us. Um, we also, um, MeUndies is another customer of ours, our brand of ours, and people just love their product. Um, and it's been really, really amazing because a lot of the customers coming in, um, they're discovering MeUndies is there, but they're like, oh my gosh, I heard about this brand on a podcast or I heard this brand on something else. And it, it's it's interesting because these people are hearing about these brands, but it's it's kind of like it's parked in the back of their minds and they don't realize it till they kind of see it in person. Um, and they've been one of our top performing brands. Um, another one is Love Pop Cards. Um, so we had dinner together. Yes, we and, did. Um, and that actually turned into something. And it's now um, Love Pop Cards is also going to be opening up soon. And for me, that's another great example of a brand and a product that you have to see in person. Um, you open up the cards and it pops out. They do stuff with Disney. They do, I think they had something with Game of Thrones. Um, so it's another thing that we're really, really excited about. So those are some of the ones that I really love. And those are all digitally native direct-to-consumer brands. On the flip side, we also have Penguin Random House, um, books. And who would have thought now that books are still so popular? But we have a whole mini local bookstore with Penguin Random House in our space, which is really, really exciting. And they're one of our top five performing brands in the space. Um, so I think for us, we're still figuring out what are the right brands in the space. It's not specifically about digitally native only. It's what brands actually can cater to the market that we're going after, which is um, today's family. And we define today's family as um, millennial parents and their and their kids and their family. Um, so we're always taking a step back and saying, okay, can this brand really target and speak to the point of view of today's family? Do they share the same values? And will, is it a product that we think will do well? Um, we're hoping to bring a lot of those brands into, into American Dream. Um, but also I think the demographics might be a little different between the shoppers at Mall of America versus American Dream. And that, again, is like figuring out which are the right brands to accommodate that. Right. So you're, you're merchandising almost every time you open a new location. Yeah. It's also really interesting to me. I know uh, kind of all the concepts are different, but like an artist in Fleas is kind of, sh kind of struggles with that person who's the Etsy person or yeah. the whatever. And I think probably in the same place you are would like a maybe not an untuck it but kind of those middle level brands it's nice to see um, brands that actually have a presence experimenting in, in these spaces um anybody on your your dream list who you'd love to <laughs> come Parker in? Would be <laughs> I, I, we, we've already had that conversation yeah. but um anybody else i think like i think for us it's it's i have this point of view that brands are going to need distribution. Um, so we're not we're not approaching the brand saying, come to us and don't open other stores. We're going to the brands and saying, you should 100% obviously have your own online presence. You should go do your own pop-ups or sign your own long-term leases. 
And just like the traditional department stores where you would find Levi's jeans there and they would have a Levi's jeans store, we also want to be that distribution channel for them as well and almost that third wheel that they need to kind of hit the roof. Because I think eventually a lot of the brands, big or small, they need to start somewhere. So either they'll start with us or like yourself, you have a lot of stores out there and you're looking for more distribution after you kind of hit the ceiling of where you are. So. We have many brands that are on our wish list. Uh, I think we just kind of have to be patient as we figure out the product market fit and how we can cater to a brand like Warby Parker to a, and a brand that's almost like Etsy starting out. And so we kind of want to figure out where we kind of fit in there. Perfect. No, and it's really cool with Untucket because you help them solve a problem that they were having. And so I think more and more retailers probably have to look at it almost in that with that lens. Yeah, it's like, what problem are we solving? Right. Um, and I originally I thought just providing space was the problem we were solving. But to me, space is becoming a commodity in some ways. Um, all of us in the room today can go anywhere and, and sign a lease and open up a store tomorrow. In many cases, it would be really turnkey. Um, but I think it has to be much more than that. And those are things that we're thinking about internally at Fourpost and how do we kind of how do we become part of the growth stack at Warby Parker? How do we become part of the growth stack at Meandies and Love Pup Cards and Untuck It where our data and what we're providing them actually helps them grow. So the offline data can help them grow their online data. Um, so that, those are things that we're trying to think about in terms of how we kind of move forward with what we're doing. Do you feel like this will be symbiotic with the uh, the operators themselves? I mean, I think they're trying to figure out how they could pro possibly provide these types of services to uh, their the people in their spaces. Do you feel like it's going to be competitive to what they're doing, or do you feel like there's going to be symbiosis between? I, what I think to they, do? I think they need to do what they're doing, right? I think that for them, it's all like po about pipeline and and generating a lower barrier barrier of entry for brands to come in. Um, I think you're seeing um, a lot of landlords have their own turnkey spaces. Um, again, I think that's also why I, to my earlier comment, that it's turning into a commodity. Um, I think everyone's going to have space. And um, if you're a really great brand, you could demand space. Um, and even if you're starting, you can go on all these different marketplaces to find space. But I think my point of view is like I'm trying to just, again, provide the picks and shovels and be part of the growth stack and, pro and provide the technology that's empowered by the offline data and offline store that we're providing. So our four walls that we create is almost like a means to an end. Um, whereas I think a lot of the other players are probably thinking about like the four walls is the end. And, um, for the landlord, it really is like, they want you to come in, test, and then sign a lease. Um, for us, we want you to come in and give you product insights, customer insights, have the turnkey space, have sales, but it's not the end of just with having sales. Coming up, you'll hear how Fourpost is thinking about the future of retail spaces and how the experiences they're providing will help them stay ahead of the curve. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes wherever the best podcasts are found. So, Mark, there's been a lot of talk about uh, real estate uh, with relation to retail, the, the sort of challenges of suburban malls and um, you know, when when you th when I think about the malls of my past, when I think about the shopping experience of my past, it's going to a a large shopping center, uh, large mall, uh, lots of uh, flagship stores. Um, all the mall experiences I have now 
in malls that probably have seen better days have a similar sort of um, feel to them. What do you see as the future of retail experientially? Like how do people change the way that they experience those retail spaces? And how do you think Four Post is going to fit into yeah, that? I think a, a good analogy I always use is, is Netflix, just to kind of take a step back before we kind of dive into that. Um, when Netflix first started, it was all about old movies that we all had access to that you can on demand get stream onto your or rent as a DVD and then eventually on demand stream onto your computer or on your big screen. Um, and then they quickly realized that this old content isn't going to really take them somewhere. And they're like, what do we need to do? We need to start producing our own shows. Um, because people want fresh new content. Um, and that's why they're so relevant today. Um, and then you just saw like Amazon start doing it and all these other people start producing their own shows. And I think shopping centers are like, they used to be like these old movies and it was the same content, the same store all day, every day for 10 years straight. Um, and I think what's changing is they're quickly realizing that they need to change their content um, and they need to change the content on a frequent basis to keep people coming in. Um, so to me, I think like four post is also how do we keep the content fresh um, and how do we make it engaging for people to come in? And, and it's not just about the brands being fresh and that newness that we're delivering to the customer, but it's also about the content and the experiences that we're going to deliver to these, to the customer coming through. Um, and I think it's table stakes now. I think you, to be a successful retailer or shopping center, you have to have that fresh content that's coming in every day. It's almost like people are addicted to that thing. They really need it and they're looking for it. They're like coming to your website to see what's new. Um, and I think we can even use Warby Parker as an analogy, like you're frequently in introducing new sunglasses and people are buying several types of sunglasses. It used to be that you would buy one pair. And that was it. Um, and I, I think that it's even with sneakers, like everyone's looking for the new sneakers that Yeezy's dropping and what is it next? And I think like it's it's become part of the culture now, which is really interesting. So for us, it's like, what is the content that we can provide? And we kind of look at it in two ways, what can be educational and what can be for entertainment purposes. Um, and I think what's really interesting about millennial parents that are also really interested in what is that educational kind of things that we can provide for themselves for for their mind and also for their kids. Um, so those are the things that we look at in terms of bringing in thought leaders and doing those kind of things at our spaces. And then it's the fun um, entertainment things that are more arts and crafts. Um, we also like to intertwine our, our brands that are part of the experience. So when a brand launches with us, we, we try to tie in an experience with some of the brands with them. Um, for example, we had, um, we're doing something with Kaluga, which is the stroller, uh, stroller, dark to consumer stroller line. And we're, we're actually doing a thought leader piece around parenting with them. Um, so it's, it's not really about like, Hey, come check out the stroller. It's like, Hey, this is a, this is a brand that has, shares the same point of view as a, as a parent. Um, and the things that are important to you. And we want to talk about those things. Very cool. And, you know, experience has so many meanings yeah. and so many different meanings. Um, is there any technology play coming into the experience? Because that's certainly a hot topic in yeah, I, right now. I, I personally am not a fan of technology in the space with the customer. Um, I think there are some use cases where it can be really great. Um, perhaps it's a screen that they can do like en um, endless aisle shopping on or something like that. But um, 
I liked, I think the experiences today that people are looking for is to get off the screen and away from technology. So I think a lot of what we're doing is how are you using your, your senses and, and like touch and feel and smell and sight. And I think those are the things and we want to get away from the screens, um, especially millennial parents. And I can even speak for myself. That's really where if I'm bringing my kid and I don't want to bring them to something where it's, it's a screen Yet or a technology. Screen. Yeah. So I, I tend to try to stay away with that. But then behind the scenes, there might be technology that's enabling the experience and making it really exciting and really fresh and really new. Um, so those are things that we kind of look at. Do you think about as <clears throat> as being the content platform for these brands? Um, and, and maybe I'm overextending um, that concept, but it's, it's sort of a pseudo content platform. Do, do you feel responsible for creating customer experience or do you leave it to the brands? Is there oh, absolutely. A um, so we staff everything. Um, even with Untuck It, we, we've net, we went through a mood board for them. We've designed their space for them. Um, we pushed them a little bit to get a little more experimental with their space. Um, so we absolutely want the space to be cohesive um, and almost not like fragmented from brand to brand. Um, we, we, we implemented departments in our space. So it's, we originally used to have like one brand after the other. And for the customer, it was just kind of like, what's this, what's that? But I think people like to go and be in, in an experience that's, I think more of a department and categorized in some ways. So we have a whole baby and kids section and that's where we create an experience around baby and kids. And then we implement the brands to be part of that experience. Um, the same thing with self-care and men's and women's apparel. Um, so we actually are very, very focused on what that experience is for the shopper, which started at, at with us staffing it, training our staff, implementing the space, and then actually building out the spaces for the brands. Do you think that's the future of, of brick and mortar retail? Uh, it, I think, honestly, I think it's just what's happening. I think we, we also don't want to reinvent the wheel. Like you look at I think what's department stores staffed it. Um, they built out spaces for brands, but I think what happened was I think they just lost their point of view on who I personally think what today's families are like and their point of view of what they're the brands that they're interested in. And I think you can really understand Nike and and be like, okay, I understand what Nike um, believes in and what their point of view is. You probably can say the same for Apple. You can say the same for Warby Parker. You can say the same for Casper. And I think. A lot of the brands that you probably typically see in a department store, they really lost a lot of that sizzle and a lot of that point of view. And I think people are really interested in purchasing if they're going to make that investment into a brand. They want to make sure that it shares the same values as they do. Um, and I think a great brand that did that that isn't particularly in retail is Airbnb. Um, like you, you know that they're inclusive and, and open. And so I think those are the kinds of things that I think um, – we're trying to do. And I think that's the difference um, outside of like, I think you don't reinvent the wheel with like, okay, staffing it, training and, and that stuff. I think those are again, table stakes. Well, I almost think of it as losing in a department store environment, the, because it's staffed by the department store brand, you lose the direct connection between the brand and the customer. There's someone who doesn't understand the brand. They're just sort of put onto that that section, they don't understand the values of the brand. You're changing that. Yeah, I think, and I think that's where technology comes in. So I think, I think one, we tried having like the brand staff it, but it becomes a very fragmented experience for for the shopper. Um, so we couldn't have one person walk them through the journey of a four post experience. Um, but we're using technology to get our sales staff and associates 
properly trained on product knowledge and the brand and things like that. And we encourage it and we gamify that system to get these, to get everyone kind of up to speed. So it's always a work in progress, um, but we love to, that's kind of one thing that we're really proud of at Forpost is that we, we hold a high standard in making sure that we're properly presenting the brand, their point of view and the story behind the brand. I think that's, what's really interesting about brands today. They have, they have a story. Um, it wasn't just something that's got manufactured and they're shipping it and they're sending it. There's a reason why the product exists because the founder or the founders went through an experience and something happened and then they created the product. And a lot of that experience are things that people can relate to. So I think that's what's really interesting is that a lot of brands have a story and we want to convey that story to the customer and then kind of build that connection. Mark, how has Four Post changed since you first the first inception to kind of what the, what the mission is now? I think when we first started, it wasn't as noisy in terms of like turnkey space. Um, and one, that's a double-edged sword. It's It got noisy because there's demand in the market for it. Um, but on the other side of the coin, it's too noisy. Um, so I think that's what turns space into a commodity. Um, so we're really, and I'm pushing my team pretty hard internally to how do we carve ourselves out of all that noise? Um, because you have every person saying that we can provide turnkey space. Um, and everyone's kind of saying we're a new department store or something in some ways. So I really, really am trying to be, like I said, part of that stack, um, similar to the, my braze days we were part of the stack. Like there was an analytics tool, there was a tool you used for marketing automation. There was a tool you used for customer support. So how can Forpost be a tool or a platform, not a tool, a platform that you're using for what I would like to think as like a, for insights um, and from offline insights to trigger online growth. Um, and that's kind of how we're trying to now position ourselves into and evolve into. Um, so I think it's, for me, it's been about, keeping our ear close to the ground and not being too emotionally attached to the original concept where I literally designed a 10 by 10 space, which was turnkey with shelves in the POS. And we had monthly rate rents set up and we didn't, I wanted nothing to do with the store. I wanted the brand to go in, rent the space for three, six or 12 months, hire their own sales associates, bring their product, activate the POS that was in there and get going on paper. That sounds awesome. Um, but, uh, it proved to be really difficult from all the things that we spoke about from managing the experience, staffing, um, making sure you have the right brands in there uh, making sure the brands are properly merchandising. Um, I think one thing that I think a lot of people forget is just like how important the traditional methods of retail are important. So like a merchandising planner, um, we have that now. I never thought that we would hire a merchandising planner, but we're working with all our brands and going through the data of like the sell through and what's selling, what's not doing um, RTVs, I think they're called and, and and learning all these terms now, but those are things that we're doing, even though we're not taking the inventory. Um, so we're again, want to, we're, I think there's like, we've got ourselves into this thing where we're actually operating a full on retail store. Um, but I also want to figure out how we can be part of the, the stack for the brands and not just like, Oh, let's just go open up a store with four posts. It's you need four posts to be successful is kind of what I 
what how I want to position us moving forward. I'm hoping one day when a brand's about to launch and they're pitching their investors and they're like, this is our go-to-market strategy. And they're like, okay, we're going to launch our website and that's going to be on Shopify or on another platform like that. And then we're going to open up our brick and mortar with pop-ups here and there. And then we're going to actually distribute through four posts for the product and customer insights that we're going to get from brick and mortar that will fuel the online growth for these other two platforms that we have. Um, so we're actually building that technology where we can actually stream that data into those pl- the platforms that they may be using today too. You need a four post uh, pitch deck slide that you can just give to people and yeah. say, "Here you go, fill you in go. the fill in the blanks." Yeah. Coming up, a little less four posts and a little more Mark as we get into some personal questions. to laugh do you love great interviews with a lot of heart do you like good stories do you like to hear about life well good news because if you listen to a show called funny people talking all of that happens right danielle all of it happens every single thing you said on that list and more elsie does any of it not happen it all happens Come on, Elsie. It really happens. Okay, well, you should join us on Funny People Talking on Mouth Media Network. You can find us anywhere. You can find a great podcast. And I know it's true because these people loved it. Only for a short time while they were listening to the show, Then Life Sucked. Listen to Funny People Talking. I've been thinking about uh, this a lot myself lately because um, either running your own business or even just having a normal everyday job and and living and working um, in the city and and in the retail industry, I'm always curious what people are doing um, as their hobbies outside of what they do because it ends up all morphing into one thing. Um, And some people, I feel like I'm on this hot seat where I'm like, my hobby's working out, you know, like, so I'm always curious what, what other people are, are doing. Yeah. I think it's, it's one thing that is, I think it evolves the hobbies as you're going through life. Um, so one thing that hasn't changed for me though, from when I was even a young kid from five years old till now, where I have a family with kids is I play ice hockey, um, once a week. Um, so I grew up in Canada, a huge Oilers fan, um, but, uh, I think that's also, that's something that I, I will make sure I do, um, even if it's a summer league and stuff like that. Um, separately, um, I then started, I think a, a part of that evolution was, uh, I was a coach for my two boys floor hockey league. And I think that was uh, like really fun for me. Um, I keep Shabbat, which is the Jewish holiday. So from Friday, da- Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, totally offline, no electricity at all. Um, and it, for me, that's almost like a lot of downtime and family time. So prayers, meals, um, naps, um, but also a lot of reading too. Um, so I think that's kind of helps me kind of get away from stuff. Um, but it's, it's definitely hard. And I, I think like you need to push and not to get onto the work side too much, but I think you need to push your team members to like, understand that they need to just take themselves out of that bubble. Um, a lot of times people are like so zoned in on their screen and it's late at night and I don't believe there's anything productive coming out of that time. And they're more productive if they go home or go out with friends or do something uh, or do a hobby or something like that. Um, I'm always looking for new things to do, but I think with family and 
wife and kids. I think weekends are probably my time when I'm with the kids and stuff and doing a lot of things with them too. Do you think that focus on family actually does carry through to the concept around four posts? I don't want to get too much into the business side, but it seems like yeah, there's a Yeah, you know, we internally we're like, who do we need to target and who are we really building this for? Um, and at first, um, someone on the team was like, what about millennial parents? And obviously, I'm a millennial mm-hmm. parent. And um, at first, I wasn't too excited about it, to be honest with you. Um, but it, it under, like, taking myself out of it and seeing like, how millennial parents are thinking about their kids. And like, I think the things that we think about as parents now are very different than maybe what my parents are thinking about. I think like, and I think because we're so much more exposed to stuff, you're thinking about things more. um, And I think you have a different point of view. So, and also there was like, there was really, it was interesting. Like, where do you go with your family? Um, And we kept falling on target. (laughs) And and screen time wasn't even an issue when we were coming up. So um, I think it's really interesting. And Shabbat, it's funny. I have a good friend who does Shabbat as well. And she's like, if for me, it's almost a a self-imposed, no technology, you know. And she leaves work at 2.30. She does her thing. I don't expect to speak to her until. And it's really great. I think it also impacts the team and the company as a whole because they know I'm offline. Right. So I think in their minds, they also go a little <laughs> offline too. Absolutely. Um, and they're not, really they're not expecting an email from you. It. Yeah. It's a nice, I, yeah. I hate to again, bring it back to work, but it's almost a nice policy that you're setting um, yeah. kind of unimposed. Yeah. I think also just my point of view with the grind really changed um, from my last company at Braze to now. And obviously I have a larger family and, different things but i think like in the early days you're just like in that grind um and maybe i'm a little older now but mm-hmm. i i still kind of think about it. i'm like did i really need to do all that um would it, we would, would we have had the same outcome um so yeah. i think those are things that a lot of people need to take a step back and think about is it a different grind between the sort of technology side and then yeah, I think it's the same grind, and I think it's it's the mentality and the focus. Um, but I think whereas before you'd think you'd have to stay up till two in the morning answering every email, um, making sure you're the first one in the office, the last one to leave. Like yeah. I think that's a whole bunch of BS. Like it's like you don't need to do that to be successful. Um, and I think if you have a great culture where people enjoy coming to work, you're gonna get a lot more output from that. Um, so I don't think it's about the grind and, and that and everything. And I think that's something that a misconception a lot of people have about startups. Um, I really would love to figure out how we really figure out this like really healthy work and life balance. Um, and I encourage the team to do that. Do you think there's a difference between building something in the virtual world, like software, and then building something in the physical world? Yeah. I mean, it seems like there's probably a little bit more mental openness when you're actually building something for real it's not not that software yeah i think um i think it's it's not that it's more real in person um but there's a lot of like building um and there's like when we're building out a space for a brand we're actually have someone who's building the space with their with the real hands um which i think is really cool um so I would say it's pretty similar, though. Um, we're building software. You're building a product. You're going through a lot of iterations with it. And you're testing and iterating and testing and iterating and getting rid of bugs. And then the same thing with, like, merchandising. And, like, you're putting product on a shelf. You're testing. You're iterating. It's all that kind of stuff, too. So, Mark, any final thoughts? 
after this lengthy interview talking about everything from software to uh to yeah. strollers to <laughs> uh ski slopes at shopping malls which american dream will have yeah i think um i think retail is really in an interesting space right now um and i kind i almost refer to it as almost like a correction um where you're having the old brands out new brands in um and uh you can kind of look at every category and think about how what quip's doing in with toothbrushes what warby parker did to sunglasses what casper's doing what to mattresses um away doing to luggage like and i won't say like the older brands who they are but you can kind of like put those two together and i think what's gonna what we all have to be patient with is let these younger brands grow to a place where they can actually come into brick and mortar um, because they're all going to need to do that. So brick and mortar is definitely not dead right now. I think it's, it's going through this correction and maybe we don't need as much as brick and mortar as we've had in the past, but we have to allow these younger companies to kind of grow up and become themselves and have that personality grow up and then let them out in the world. And I think we're seeing a lot of great brands come into place. So I'm really excited about that. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, they're starting up a direct-to-consumer brand and want to have a physical space, how do they do that? So you can email me, mark at fourpost.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter as Mark Gurr, um, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode uh, for Rebecca Fitz. Thanks, guys. This is Chris Hansen. Thank you so much. This has been Retail Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Connect.